Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to another episode of the Option Menu Crew Podcast. This is episode 39. Your crew members today are myself, Ryan, and with me today is also Ed. How you doing, Ed? Good, good. We're coming up on the end of the year. This is going to be one of our last uh, episodes for uh, 2021. I, I can't believe how fast the year went. Yeah, in some ways it went too fast. In other ways it didn't go fast enough, right? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, we're, we're going to do one of our normal topics this, this episode. And the next one we're going to do Game of the Year episode. And we're just giving people a heads up. We're going to take a break. So we're just kind of going to skip, uh, I guess it would be like four weeks till the next episode or something like that. Um, we'll figure out the exact timing, bring that up. But yeah, you know, New Year's holiday. We just we just figured it'd be a good idea to just take a break and uh, not have to wor- worry about this. But yeah, game of the year episode, and then we'll we'll be back um, after like one set of episodes. Or yeah, yeah, wouldn't 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 the the time we normally record it put us on like New Year's? Yeah, I think yeah. I think it would be New Year's Day is when we're choosing to skip and i think that's a good choice <laughs> yeah and which uh, what's also perfect about that is um that means our listeners will get the game of the year episode literally on the uh first of the new year so oh yeah that's true you people can look for- it's almost it's almost like we planned it i know right it, it it just worked out really nicely so um that'll be up for people to listen to and then that will mean we didn't record so that will that will skip there uh and then we'll figure out how to time that because that actually puts us in a weird place with timing um because i think it'd be like six weeks then would be like the weird off yeah this is the first time in a long while that we've we're we're not going to be recording bi-weekly yeah uh and it's it's important you know we're do we're got to take the break we got to do the holiday stuff um we want to you know spend time with our families our friends take the break for ourselves it's just good we're, we're i think i'm really proud of what we've accomplished so far i think it's been a lot of fun i think we've talked about a lot of good stuff here and i'm i'm, I'm looking forward to continuing it and um maybe taking it in some new directions depending on uh what we feel like yeah i'm surprised with um you know how much I, I guess i shouldn't be surprised with how much there is to talk about there's a million people on the internet always talking about video games, so it must be an interesting topic. But I remember, we've, yeah, <laughs> we've come up with some good ones. I remember uh, when we were first like being like, "Are we going to do this?" And you were like, a little, a little bit like, "I don't know. Are we really going to have something to talk about?" I'm like, "Dude, I have this huge list." And you're like, "I don't know," but but you know, to to your credit, like you've gotten on these episodes, and uh, most of them, if not all of them, with me, and you've gotten, uh, you'd get into the topic like, "Wow." There's so much more I want. I I didn't realize I wanted to talk yeah, about. Yeah, we with have this. to we have to cut ourselves short just to just to make editing not not be a a day long process. Yeah, we're uh, as we've mentioned before, like with the monetization series of episodes and, and other stuff. In this one, we haven't figured out if we're going to label it monetization, but it feels like it ties in a lot to that. Um, so you'll just you'll by listeners you'll find out <laughs> when you when you get the episode, uh, whether or not we titled it. Um. But we're going to talk about demos, trials, and rentals today for, for video games. Like how trying a game before you buy it works and all that. And we've definitely touched on it a ton in, in previous episodes. But this one we wanted to really focus in on that whole idea. Because games are like a thing you've got to play. And let's touch on this. Because the one way that a lot of people nowadays are figuring out whether or not they like a video game is watching videos. YouTube, Twitch, and all the other services out there where you can see video clips of people playing video games. 
it's it's part of the experience and to some it is a very important experience but i feel like with video there's still that element where you haven't played it and the to get the maximum amount of of um effect from a video about like how a game plays you need to have played a bunch of games you need to have that experience inside you so when you see something and when the 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 um the player uh whether whether it's the youtuber or the streamer the streamer excuse me there that's the word is playing and describing things you're able to understand what that means and what that feels like and that's even like in game reviews as well but game reviews are not live and of course game reviews uh, are getting more video elements or video counterparts as well um so that is one way to do that but like ed where, where's your head at with like videos for like tr for figuring out whether or not to like the games like where wh what do you do do you use video Yes, sometimes I'm trying to think of like the games I played this year. Did I actually watch reviews on them? Mm -hmm. And I I'd say like a good point. I think. You know, we're going to go over this in the game of the year, but I had near I had near the world ends with you. I had Psychonauts 2, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, Metroid Dread. I don't think I watched any video reviews on any of those because I kind of like knew what what I, you know, those those I knew enough going into at least. I don't think I played a demo either of any of those. If I know there was one available for the world ends with you, but um, yeah, I I don't always look up a review. Sometimes if it's a game I'm not familiar with, I do. Um, but I I've I've honestly found that some of my favorite games were ones that like I went into not knowing much about, and and only like came up on my i mean this is kind of like i i know we're kind of going against the uh the idea of trying games before you buy but this is the, my experience that so, sometimes even the my favorite games have been ones i didn't know anything about so you know i i i, I almost tend to go on a hunch but that hunch isn't always right and um i maybe could stand to uh try some games and do a little more research but right. um yeah, but I do. I do watch video reviews sometimes, but actually not that much this year. I would say I do. I, I'll watch like pre-release coverage. Like if it's, I might watch a trailer or some gameplay, but I don't. And I might like look at the review aggregate, like on a uh, Metacritic or something, or just you know, I I'm curious what it scored, and I'll look at some blurbs, but like little descriptions at the top of reviews, but. I don't think I read too many in-depth reviews or watch them, at least not recently. What about like when streamers play a game? How many? How, how, can you recall any situations where you what, watched a streamer play a game you were interested in, or ended up watching a streamer that ended up playing a game because uh, you liked the streamer and you you got interested in the game, like something post-release, or even if they had like pre-release coverage, as can happen occasionally. I don't generally watch streamers play games. I I don't I don't use Twitch. I think I have an, a Twitch account, maybe. I don't remember. Mm -hmm. I have an Amazon account. I guess if I have an Amazon account, I probably have a Twitch account, right? Um, no, I could. No, is it different? Yeah, they're different. But you can. Okay, well, well can I don't think them. I have. I don't think I have a Twitch account. I do watch this one YouTuber stream, but he usually just streams like whatever the heck he feels like. Yeah. I mean, like it's not. It's I, I think I think. 
at one point he streamed Metroid Dread, but this guy is just like terrible with directions. So he was running around in circles for like 20 minutes. It was hilarious, mm. but it was not like it was not helpful in determining whether or not the game was good because he made it look bad. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, um, and. So I, I guess I want to ask because so where I mean, this, do you watch a lot of video reviews or I, I know you like to watch streamers more than I do. This so that's where like you and I differ in an interesting way, but we're also kind of similar. So I check out a lot of pre-release media to determine whether or not I'm interested in the game, and I'll know whether or not I like a series. Um, if I'm into a series, I usually know what what I'm expecting, and I'm looking for information, understand if I'm going to be playing it or not, and then I. I've played so many games at this point that I have a good understanding of based on just reading things or hearing things, whether or not I'll like something. And then if I feel still iffy about it, that's where I go into like, you know what? And I've adopted this mode because also pre, uh, pre-release stuff and material isn't always as honest as it needs to be or should be, I should say. So I, I've, I'm more in the mindset now of Unless I'm absolutely certain it's something I want to play or or whatnot, I will opt to try try it in some regard, whether that's a demo, um, a trial, or renting it. So um, I'm de- and definitely when there's things where I want to like experiment, I'm trying to go outside my comfort zone a little bit with trying things I haven't tried before. There's certain genres I'm just never really gonna revisit that I'm I'm sure of that it's just like like RTS. And turn and uh, turn-based tactical games. Like I've played a couple of them over the years for like reasons, because like their their brand recognition. Like I've played Final Fantasy Tactics. I'm like, oh, this is weird. And then I did play through and I beat. And this is more because of just the the brand loyalty of. I played Final Fantasy twelve Revenant Wings on DS. <laughs> I um, never played that. I know it is. I know what it is though. Yeah, but I should. Was it fun, or did you not like it? I shouldn't have wasted my time with that game. <laughs> um, I didn't really care about the story that much. The gameplay was fine. I and I'm so I'm not an RTS fan, so I can't truly judge it. But for me, I'm like I played it, I beat it, I kind of did it for the story. It's a Final Fantasy game, and it was it was okay. Um, I would never play it again. I wouldn't. I would tell someone if you're into RTS, maybe check it out. But that's about it. Um. So, the, but then there's, you know, there's other games where I'm like, eh, you know what? I feel like I've heard something really interesting about this. I want to try it. And there's a whole bunch of like indie games and stuff that's out there. Um, some of like walking sim type games, which I don't, I don't dislike them. Uh, I just think that, you know, some of them it's like, they, do they, will it click more or less or whatnot? So I'm like, I'll try some of these more experimental indie games to see. And I don't want to fully commit because of it's bad. Uh, oh, so perfect example. 12 minutes. Uh, I forget exactly why. Oh, I started seeing Twitter impressions of like, ah, it doesn't quite stick the landing. And I'm like, really? This is weird. Like, it seemed like so interesting. I was so into like the concept and what was, what was there. And then I watched a streamer and I'm like, hmm, let's, let's see. Also it was on Game Pass. So I really had no reason not to play it, but I was just like, I don't know. Uh, so I, so I watched the whole thing and I ended up realizing like, there was like one or two puzzles that were a little too tricky where I'm like, okay, this this part of the design wasn't as good as it should have been. And then I get to the end of the story and I hit all the story beats and I'm just, I came to agree. I'm like, you know what? I, I loved everything except like the final story twist. And I was just like, 
Oh, I don't know. And it, it, did, le- did 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 they talk about this on one of the podcasts we listened to? Another one. I don't want to spoil the twist, but I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it was kind of it was, was kind of unsavory. Yeah, yeah. I had my reasons. Okay. I forget. I, I yeah. think I told told it to you off off mic before. Yeah, I just I don't you know I don't want to spoil anything for absolutely people who, same. I'm not trying to spoil. Yeah. It. I was I it didn't resonate with me. It's not like it's the most offensive. I just thought it, it didn't need to be the way it is, and it kind of we and I don't always interpret things in the most critical eye. But then some other people who were more critical and had some stronger interpretations definitely went like, yeah, this is a uh, you know this can lead to some stuff here. So I. I just chose not to even play it on Game Pass. And the funny part is, everything that game did gameplay-wise, I thought was pretty neat. Because the core gameplay, not to spoil, uh, not spoiling any plot details, it's basically a time loop thing. And it's told you, it tells you that in the advertising. So there's nothing, that's not a spoiler. This is a game that's kind of roguelike-ish. It's a very small contained environment. You're going to be looping through time in this one scenario over and over again and you're just playing with events that can happen to try and get the sequences to occur in the way that will let you progress get new or get new information even if it leads you to dead ends sometimes you have to go to a dead end in order to get enough information to actually progress to the next thing and there's all sorts of different ways and there's evolving dialogue and it's just i thought that aspect and that kind of puzzle solving or like a narrative focused video game is extremely engaging, extremely entertaining for me. Some of the puzzle designs may not resonate with everyone. That that style of thing may not resonate with everyone. Um, and like I said, the gameplay-wise and mechanics, fine. Story-wise, it is what killed it for me, and I just didn't feel like I needed to support that game. And I'm really torn because at the same time, I'm like, I want more stuff of this, but I want it better written. And I don't know, now knowing everything, I don't know how to feel. I would have just straight up bought it, which I was my plan. I wasn't even going to just play it on Game Pass. I was going to buy it. Um, it's Or I would have played it on Game Pass for probably like an hour, maybe, at most. And then and it's like a five-hour game, which is fine. Because um, there's a lot of trial and error that you got to do in order to figure some stuff out, which is fine. Um, some people may not like that, but it, it that's basically what it is. And there, you usually get some new thing, whether it's a new interaction that leads to nothing, or there's um, new dialogue that will help you progress. And that will, uh, that, that can be interesting for some people. So um, I think it's extremely interesting. I'd love to see more games like that. I think, I guess a better, a better example of that for me, that on not such a grand scope, is like kind of like Disco Elysium. That one's like a huge like video game text adventure type thing. And I say text adventure, but it's not actually text adventure because there's graphics and everything. But it's it's it's, it's an RPG. Yeah. There's stat. There's stats. There's there are stats. There's there's skill checks and everything. It's it's a role playing game. It's a role playing game, but it's super granular with its dialogue and options and scenario building. So that's yeah. that's there's there's a big difference. Disco Elysium is like the open world version of this, and um, uh, okay. Twelve minutes is like a like indie version of this, and it is. They're both indie games, but one is just, it's the scale. It's just the difference in scale. Okay, I didn't I um, didn't know that this could, I didn't know they were comparable. In my opinion, they're comparable. I could see a debate where people would argue with me otherwise that it's not because like you bring up the stats and things like that, and that could play into it. But I feel it's but the core of the game is this decision making and this decision making through like dialogue choices and some actions. So yeah. like it's much more refined than like, Hey, this, like there's not really combat, you know, neither, neither game really has combat. 
Neither game is focused on like actions and QTEs and building out skill trees and stuff like. Although Disco Elysium does have some skill tree stuff, um, but I haven't I haven't yet committed to playing Disco Elysium yet. Um, I'd, li I'd like intrigued. to play. I'd like to play it too. I, yeah. it's definitely one that I. And and that actually, now that they added um, voice acting, it's like. I love I love voice acting in games. It's hard for me to go back to games that are not like at least partially voiced. So that's a big like that's a big draw. But that's beside the point. Um, I agree. I can definitely play games without voice acting. I come from that age from before the before times. And I but I do prefer voice acting overall. But then again, it depends on the themes of the game. So I like, yeah, it, it can be very contextual. But in general, I do really enjoy voice acting. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it, it's it can be really tricky. So I don't really, it, I, if I hear about games and I find them interesting, you know, I'll put them on my Steam wish list. But then I'll seek out demos and trials and whatnot. So, so how, how do you generally he hear about games? I don't. We may have discussed this in the past, but like discovery for you, you know, to be able to try a game, you first need to know about it and even think it might be something that you might like. Um, I I think you and I do it a lot the same way it's just based on how much each of us pays attention to it i'm just like on social media and the internet a lot a lot of feeds news feeds for it because i follow a bunch of video game websites and i have twitter also feeding me headlines all the time um i found it very useful also to follow playstations um playstation and nintendo both do this but uh playstation i've had much more success with uh is just their youtube feeds because they put up videos for new trailers and stuff outside of like their big E3 drops and whatnot. And I find out a lot about games, uh, new games, especially indie games, uh, from both of them. Um, PlayStation and, and Nintendo and both. And what I'll usually do is after I see a video for that is I will then check if it's on Steam. <laughs> if it's on Steam, I wishlist it on Steam. And if it's not, then I pay attention to it and I just kind of write it down on a little list and I'll, and I'll check back on it. So, yeah, there's that plus like streamers podcasts and whatnot i hear about all sorts of different games that are that are coming up and so that's a, a great way to do that and to hear people having played them talk about them sometimes they're old sometimes they're new you know it depends the, the way the games media is uh especially if they're professional games media or trying to be on top of it you know they're playing a bunch of new stuff all the time you rarely hear about like old gems or things that pass by but every once in a while you do and it's and it's a great way to also pick up on other games so that's usually how i hear about it so and I think you do most of the same. Yeah, I'd say though my social media probably is more Reddit than Twitter. So I follow subreddits for platforms and yeah. genres I'm interested in, and 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 you know it's it, I, it's it's funny like the problem with following those kind of sources is you're not just hearing about new games; you're hearing about four decades of games you might not have played. So I'm like, oh, that game from ten years ago, I might like that, but then mm -hmm. a new game, it just it's it's never ending like it's, it's i guess like i don't even need to be clued into all this stuff that much because it's not like i'm gonna run out of games that i might like <laughs> no and um sometimes you you find like a good game that's that actually takes a long time and then of course com combine that with life throwing yeah. in uh throwing in different schedule changes and, and the new shot and the new shiny coming out every other month some new game that like ooh, that game looks nice Right, and I find it very good, and I'm trying to mix it up a little bit. As I said, I was going kind of, I went backwards a little bit, and I actually, I don't remember if I said it on the podcast, but I definitely said I played the Mass Effect Legendary Edition trilogy. I decided to go back, because I love the, Mass, the original Mass Effect trilogy. I had missed out on some DLC in 2 and a bunch of DLC in 3, so I was like, oh, it's 
fully remastered, you know what, I'm going to go back, buy this, replay all of it, why not, let's give it a shot, see what happens. Um, plus, I like tightened up Mass Effect 1 a bit, so I was like, let's let's see how it goes. And I did. I played through it. I played through it my way. I got through all the new con all the content I missed from 2 and 3. I made only slightly different decisions than I did before, not crazily different. I, I, I can't bring myself to play like a full bad guy, or like, I shouldn't say bad guy, like full renegade in it. I, but I was a much, I tried to be a bit more, um, a bit more uh, wacky with my decisions uh, just to just to try and get myself a bit different. And I, I saw some stuff I didn't remember, and I saw a bunch of stuff I did like that I remembered. So um, it was good. And then uh, for my own, how do I put this? Like a, um, I want to make a thesis. Oh, yeah, yeah, because I had played Resident Evil 8 Village, and I think I remember feeling very mixed about it, talking about it. Or maybe that was with Paul. Um, I, I, I was like, I feel so conflicted about Resident Evil 8 Village. I want to go back and play some other games that like felt like they were in the same direction and see if I understand in my own head what I think of when I think survival horror and what I want that to mean and if I remember it correctly. So part of that was going back and playing Bioshock 1 and I know people will say, well that's not survival horror. I'm like, it's it's got a lot in common with survival horror. But it's more in common with, with what Resident Evil 8 was doing, which was kind of skirting that line between being more of an action horror game and being a true survival horror game. Which hasn't, it, hasn't Resident Evil done that since Resident Evil 4? Like, yes. I don't, has it really even been a, a, a... I don't think it's been a survival horror series for like a, two decades now. Well, they started backtracking because Resident Evil... Uh, one, two, three, the remakes of Zero, One, and... Or that They didn't remake Zero. Uh, Resident Evil 1, 2, 3, Code Veronica, Zero, the remakes of One, definitely survival horror. Uh, remake of Two is definitely survival horror. Uh, the remake of Three... Uh, I guess that's still survival horror. It's just because of the way that they made that game. That's weird. Revelations 1... Because then they made 4, and that went off the rails. Uh, it was still a really good game. It's an excellent game. And 5 also went off the rails. And then 6, we don't talk about. Revelations 1 started getting back. Revelations 2 also kind of like split the difference in a really good way, in my opinion. And then 7 was like almost a hard reboot, which was like, yes, here you go. And then 8 was like, well, okay, well, let's lean the other way now. Um, but anyways, and we're getting way off topic here. Yeah. So, well, but I, I, let me segue. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, wait. So, like, Resident Evil Remake 2, Remake 3, and 8, and 7 all had demos. Crazy demos. And Capcom's been really wild with demos. Uh, Ed, do you remember how Resident Evil 7's demos went? I don't know anything about Resident Evil 7's demos. Okay. So, here you go. Crazy. So Resident Evil 7 put out a demo that was not even like a... Well, I guess I need to go back a little bit further because there was the tech demo that they showed off as like a PS VR tech demo. And it, at first, they hadn't decided to commit to it being Resident Evil 7. That's what it seemed to be like uh, as the news came out is that they were making this game and then people re like responded to it so well that they decided to turn it into a Resident Evil game. Um, so there's that. that and that's in the press 
press demos. It was not um, it was not released. That was not ever available to the public. I don't think. I don't think you could download it for and play it at home with the PlayStation VR. But anyways, then they released the first public Resident Evil Seven Biohazard demo, which was um, very much like a vertical slice of the game. It, and it wasn't even like they did end up making it being like kind of a prologue, but they it's so loosely tied in as a prologue that it feels like that was more of an afterthought. Um, so you go in, you have almost zero combat. It's pretty much all exploration and atmosphere and just these crazy weird things can happen. And you can go through multiple times and you can get like some different uh, things happening. But then the demo felt like really incomplete. And that was on purpose, because then eventually they updated the demo, added in, like, a new item and something else you could find that's, like, connecting to it. And then I forget if they released a second demo or if they patched it a third time. I think they patched it a third time. And then you played through it, and when you played through it and beat it the right way, I think there was an extra trailer for the actual game. And then there was an item that could carry over into the main game, which it wasn't much. It was like an upgrade point. You got an extra skill point, which, cool, whatever. Um, that's what it turned out to be. But it was like something that captivated people for months because people were like, this is so wild. It, it was very much like after the whole PT phenomenon. So a lot of people were like, this is very PT-esque. There's things, to, there's layers, there's things to uncover. What does this mean? How's this going to tie into the final game? And it, it kept people engaged for a long time. And that was done really well. Uh, then Capcom got really weird with its demos. And are, have you heard, uh, Ed, about what happened with Resident Evil 2's, 3's, and 8's demos? No, I didn't follow that. Okay, so all three of those demos had the same gimmick, which everyone hates universally, but they play it. Is that the one where, the, where it was only like available for like a certain amount of time? You literally can only play your demo one shot for how, whatever the time amount was per account. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I guess I did hear about that. Yeah, it was. It's that style makes zero sense, especially since the the packages for the games, um, the demos, like in terms of file size, were like it was like the small slice of the game, and you could play. Maybe Resident Evil Two's was a bit bigger, but no, that had a card cut off. That had a hard cut off. That's the thing, though. Is it like it's so stupid? So what? What a bunch of like streamers and some users did was, and uh, even I did because I could play it on PlayStation and I could play it on, uh, on Steam on my PC, was like people played it on multiple platforms and they would just play it and explore and do that. And it just was so, so weird that they did that. And they did it three times for three different games over the course of, I think, two years? Because two, then three, then eight. Yeah. So oh, over all that release period. And, Eights was even weirder because they did a two-part demo where they did it once on, like, play they had a deal with PlayStation, so they did it, like, on PS4 and PS5. And then, oh, no, and Eight also had two demos. They did one little separate demo, which took you through a different part of the game as a different character, and it was more like a stealth thing, just like a, like a straight-up horror, no-survival aspect. Mm -hmm. Then they released, like, an actual demo, which was a slice of the game. And it was just a little portion of it. And they said, okay, you're going to be in this portion of the game and you're going to actually be playing and you only get like 30 minutes or something like that to play for on this day and time. Then on this day and time, here's the second portion for 30 minutes. And then on this day and time, everyone on every platform can play up to 30 minutes in either, or for an hour in either uh, 
in either section of the demo. And it's just, so Capcom's been putting out trials, which I applaud them for. I like, I appreciate that. But the style, um, they also did, Capcom's also been weird. They're great. They're a great example for this thing of like what not to do. <laughs> Don't put time limits on your thing. Uh, Nintendo also did this on Switch. Um, Switch, maybe also Wii U? Uh, oh no, they definitely did it on 3DS as well. Do you remember? Yeah, there was. I re I think I remember like the bravely default demo could only be launched like a number of times. Exactly. Yes, limited number of times for a demo launch. But it wasn't. It wasn't like time played. It's you could only launch the game. I think like. But I think it was like thirty times. Like it wasn't a small amount. It was like but it was twenty still, or something. Yeah. It was still weird. It was still weird. Yeah, it's weird. There's no need to do that. Don't do that. Like that's not. That's not the point of your demo. Your demo is to let people try it and be sold on it. But if you put these extra limitations on it. People are going to think about it more and they're not going to think about it in the terms of because they might be like, well, I want to play so many times. Um, they'll, I, I feel like it creates more of a stigma of there's something weird about this game. That's like, why is it? Why do you have to put this limitation on when it's really like, well, we want people to get we, we don't want people to keep playing the demo and not buy the main game. Like if you put in a small enough chunk of the game to tease people like. They're going to have to or put in the right portion, put in a fun portion. And this is where uh, Capcom has also come back. And I think uh, I think Monster Hunter World. I forget if Monster Hunter World had a demo, but Monster Hunter Rise did have a demo and they made, did a really good demo for that. I didn't I didn't play it, but from all the people that I heard uh, who are Monster Hunter fans who played it, they loved it. They thought it was great. So, um, yeah, like it's not hard. Just put out an unlimited demo. That's a small chunk of the most fun part of the game in some way. And well, is it is it really not? I, I don't know how much effort it is. You know, I'm not a developer, so I, I don't know if we can say that it's not hard. You know, maybe it is kind of hard to make a demo that is representative of a game, but also appealing and sells the game. Like there, 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 uh, there's probably some level of art to getting that right to where you have, uh, you know, a high conversion rate, which is I'm sure that's a metric they might look at. I'm sure they can tell if you downloaded the demo and if you downloaded the game or bought the game. You're absolutely right, so let me rephrase that. It's not hard to know how you should make a demo. Because it's it's clear. Like it's not it's not a mystery what to what's right and what's wrong when it comes to a demo. Have a probably demo. it's probably easy to know what not to do. I'll, yes. I'll agree with that. Yes. Like the um, list of things to what not to do is is pretty clear. I have two great examples. One of which you'll know which reference back to something you mentioned and this ties into it. So I played, <laughs> I played and beat uh, The Evil Within 1, and that game significantly disappointed me. Uh, but then I heard you, The Evil Within 2 was way better. I'm like, okay. And I was about to rent it, I believe. Uh, or either rent, yeah, I was about to rent it on Gamefly. And then I saw it had a Steam demo. And I'm like, all right, let's, let's play it. It was also f full price still. It was a full $60, even like months after the release, which surprised me. And then... I found out the demo is you can play up to chapter three of the game. And then at that point, hard cut or hard stop. And I was like, oh, okay, interesting. And I played it. And it's literally just the full game. You play up to three chapters. And then you, when you hit that checkpoint, it tells you, um, you to continue, you have to buy the full game. And then your progress carries over into the full game. And I did. I bought the game. I played through it. I played through the rest, picked up right where I left off, and it was a great experience. I thought it was a much better game. 
Um, I think the Evil Within formula is a little weird in terms of that, but it was it's much better than the first one. Um, and it was very fun. I enjoyed it, but way better story. And yeah, like that was a great trial demo experience for me. And then there was the world Neo, the world ends with you, which ha uh, Square Enix has been doing this a little bit more with its games that it's been demoing, which is it puts out like a chunk of the game. And that's usually the opening prologue. And then you get to play it for like, I think it was the opening two hours of Neo, the world ends with you. And then you got to carry over that progress into the main game. I love that. That's great. They did that for Dragon Quest Eleven too. Great. And didn't they also do it for was it Bravely Default or Octopath Traveler? Maybe Bravely Default. I don't remember. Bravely Default they, Two they, specifically. With, with with like Bravely Default Two and Octopath Travel, and also with the upcoming Triangle Strategy, I think they also like they had a big um they had a survey that people could fill out. So part of the reasons they put out these early demos was to solicit feedback from users and use it to improve, improve the game. Yes, which they've also done with Triangle Strategy. Yeah. So while it does, once again, it intertwines, like the betas and stuff. So I think that's good. I think it's a great idea to put those out, let people play them. Square Enix also did that recently with um, the the upcoming sort of weird remake of Final Fantasy 1 that is Final Fantasy Origins. Oh, uh, Stranger of stranger, Paradise. Yeah, Stranger of Paradise. Strangers of Paradise, something like that. I don't something know like that. It, yeah. yeah, close enough. <laughs> People can Google it. You can Google it and uh, and there. But yeah, um, like I played the first demo. We meant to play the second one, which apparently was better, but not not much. Um, so hopefully they're taking that. And also Koei Tecmo, because Koei Tecmo is developing that, and Square Enix is like co co developing slash and publishing it. Is uh, they're working on that because it's very it's very much like a Souls ish Neo Neo like game. So it makes sense. Uh, that they're working on it rather than one of Square Enix's main teams. Um, and it's just, uh, I think it's good. I think that's good to put out it, put it out, get some play test, understand, get some perspective on where you're getting things right, where you're getting things wrong. It's kind of, and that's also kind of the reason why I want to go back and play like uh, Bioshock 1, Dead Space 1, and Dead Space 2 and kind of check myself on what what's in my head versus what's, what's, what's actually out there. Um, but yeah, I, I I like that. I like that a lot, and I love the, the the beta periods. Anything that lets me try a game to see if this is good or not. Now, of course, the flip side is that sometimes you try something, and you don't like it, and then you lose a sale. But I think that's the most consumer-friendly thing, because you can't be sure if you're going to like something until you've actually like tried it. And I think it's kind of a jip. Well, it's, it's not an insignificant amount of money for $60 for like big AAA games. Especially when some of them will do like additional monetization and they do some really terrible shady stuff. Um, I mean, I I feel I, it's 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 counterproductive though. Like like a publisher should want people to like the game they bought. Like you know, they, it 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 doesn't make sense to want to like dupe your customers into playing a game that they don't like because you know ideally you want to keep a series going if it's successful so like why would you want to attract a bunch of customers who are going to hate your game and and um you know not buy any dlc not buy any sequels i mean they should want people the people who buy the game to be the ones who like the game agreed so actually um very relevant information here ed i want to toss it to you so you can tell a little story I want you to talk about how your your feelings with Shin Megami Tensei Five, 
where that's led to you with the idea of the trials and stuff. Because one of the one, a question I'm posing to you is, as I was touching on the price of buying a game or fully investing before, without a trial or something, is like you're a deal hunter. What? How, when do you feel not gypped? At what price point do you feel like not gypped? Or where you're like, I don't need to try this. I'll just pay the price that it is. Like, and and if I like it, I like it. If I don't, whatever. It's disposable or something like that. So, yeah, go ahead and um, talk about that. Well, I was pretty excited about this game because I had um, played or was playing Persona 5 Royal. That was kind of like my first taste of Megami Tensei, as I guess is what they call it. Um, and I was excited because I, 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 I wasn't really like thinking about Shin Megami Tensei 5 until I saw it at E3 this year. And it, I was really impressed with the way it looked, and I thought, and I, I had known a little bit about the battle system because as I began to play Persona, I got more curious about the other games in that um, umbrella. Uh, and I, I had pre-ordered the special edition because you know I got caught up in the hype, and um, I played it for about four or so hours, maybe five hours. And I just stopped because the performance of the game was really bad enough that it was really affecting my enjoyment of it. And you know, the frame rate was bad. The, the draw distance was poor. There's a lot of popping and weird stuff with animations and textures loading. And just it it just yeah, I I'm not I don't know if I'm that qualified to go over the performance issues, but they're well documented and and I they're bad. And it was enough where I was like you know, there's rumors of it coming to PC or PlayStation 4, and I figured I'll wait and see. Or or maybe there will be a, an upgraded Switch next year that a patch will let it run better. I just, I have so many games right now that I I want to play that do run at an acceptable or excellent performance. So I don't want to, I don't want to spend time on this game and have a subpar experience. Um, because it's not going anywhere. I already have the game. So either I play that one when I have a switch that can run it at a at a decent frame rate, or I wait until it gets ported. Um, and you know, I guess if it doesn't in the next few years, maybe I'll grit my teeth and go back to it and and deal with the bad performance. But right now, the the possibility of a a Shin Megami Tensei Five version that runs well is enough for me to wait and see. Um, and and really, had I known all that, I probably wouldn't have bought the game, and I probably would have waited. Um, so I was kind of frustrated about that, but I don't know. I guess I learned my lesson with that. And, you know, I might not try it in the future, but I certainly these these kind of performance issues really they don't always mention them in reviews, no, and don't. it and it's really frustrating because like. I, you know, we listen to podcasts and I, I read stuff online. Like it's, it's pretty obvious. Like, I, I don't know how you couldn't write a review and, 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 and count this as a serious negative out of the game. Um, you know, you'd have to be like willfully omitting it. So it's frustrating. No, it, no, it wasn't mentioned in a lot of reviews. I mean, I think, I think it should have, you know, if someone was going to give this an eight, I think they should have given it a seven just because of the performance i think it's that bad and it, you know it, it feels like it it shouldn't matter as much in a turn-based game but you know it's bad enough that it does matter which is just a testament to how 
poorly it runs on this on the switch now do you have a rough estimate of how long you played the game before you came to your conclu- current conclusion yeah i think i mentioned it four or five hours i oh, okay, i got yeah. i i got up to the right before the first boss and then i was about to go and like you know kind of think about my team for that boss and i was just like I don't want to keep playing, you know, I, 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 I had, I stopped at about two hours and I was kind of like weighing my options and then I played another two hours and then I just made my decision. So, okay. So you would say, so it sounds like, you know, like in about two hours, you hit a point where you're like, you know what? I have a feeling about this game, but then you yeah. gave it a second shot. You pushed forward and you're like, nope, confirm feeling confirmed. Mm-hmm. So now do you think, knowing what you know now, if you would have had a demo that like covered that first two hours, do you think you would have said, oh, it's a demo, maybe they'll fix that in the final game? Or do you think you would have been convinced that that is uh, an example of what the main game looks like? Hmm. While you're thinking, because I'll, I'll mention this, uh, Hyrule Age of Calamity uh, for or Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity for Switch did have a demo as well, and it was pretty much exemplary of what the final game was, which was the, their frame, the frame rate is not optimized. It's not even a solid 30, and from the streamers that I've listened to that are very candid about what the performance is like, it's, it's like 15 to 20 frames per second is the average like speed at which it moves and very rarely does it even get up to 30 uh and with the type of game that it is which is a warrior style game with tons of enemies and whatnot it's 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 pushing it so yeah uh i think that it that's especially where streamers help if you're not sure about a game especially on switch i think it's a little easier to go like definitely with pc but um for ps5 or the xbox series systems it's uh, or even the the previous generation you can look at a video and you can check what's the performance like is this moving properly is and yes streaming quality does play into it but there's a way to tell because if the streamer's being honest they'll be able to mention like oh i'm feeling a certain way about this and some people are less sensitive than others but yeah so what do you think it's hard to tell for me watching a video i feel like i i like a lot of people could, will watch like a trailer and be like, "Oh man, the frame it was chugging there." And I don't, I yeah. don't know if I notice it as much until I actually play the game. Sure, but yeah, I, I see what you mean. Yeah. Um, so with the demo, do you think like if the, you had played like two hours, do you can you with confidence say like where your head would have been at? Would you have avoided purchasing if the demo had been that experience? The two hours, not the the second two. Yeah, maybe, and um. I think there were rumors that came out about a a later port based on you know text that they found in certain game files and that also kind of cemented my decision because there's it seems like there's a good possibility it doesn't remain exclusive to the switch um you know, I, I should have listened to you. I remember way back when, with early on, you were saying that, oh, man, that game's going to run like crap. And you were totally right. So I'll, I'm going to give you a point there. Like, Thank you. That, yeah, you, 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 you were like, that looks like a game made for PC or something. Like, didn't, isn't that what you said? Something about the quality of the video originally with the way things <laughs> yeah. look. It was way yeah. too clean. And I was like, this, it kind of gave me 
I'd have to go back and look at my Astro Chain at the Astro Chain trailers because that's the one where I'm like, oh man, I can't wait to can't wait to play that at 60 on Switch. I can't believe they got that to 60 on Switch. They didn't. They got it to 30. It ran pretty decently. I'd say it was for the most part 25 to 30 FPS, but it definitely was pushing what the Switch can do, and that was an optimized game. Um, but yeah, it was it. Ugh. It just, you start getting a, a feed for it. And I thought they would have announced it for PlayStation uh, PlayStation 4. And I just recently was alerted to that it's actually an Unreal Engine 4 game. Yeah. So that's still a relatively new engine. And not only for the developers, but also in for the industry at large. So, But, but Dragon Quest Eleven S was on Switch, and I think that was rebuilt in Unreal Engine 4, or like a later version. Like, I don't know which version of Unreal Engine 4 um, Atlas used, because I guess, like, I, I think my understanding is, like, there's there's a later version that runs better on the Switch, and I guess you don't know how skilled the developers are in optimizing. That's what I was just going to say, is it's a little they, apples to they, oranges. They come, fr- they come from 3DS and DS games. Like, every Shin Megami Tensei game, Besides, like, Nocturne on the PS2 before, you know, since Nocturne up to up to 5 have been on DS and 3DS handhelds. So, like, they're, they're handheld developers. Also, the Dragon Quest team is umpteenth times larger than the Atlas team, period. Yeah. So, they're a small company. They're, like, 300 employees, the company. For Atlas? I, th- I don't think they're more than 300 employees. I think I was just reading this a moment ago. Yeah, and they're, before... like, yes, they're owned by Sega, but Sega's also, like, a second-tier company that's had lots of issues with having development resources for what games it makes, other than Yakuza. But that's a game that's made at a certain scale, locked in, and they just focus on quality uh, yeah. over time. And that's where you get, like, even even um the, the latest one, uh, Like a Dragon, where it's... Um, it, like there's a lot of quality in that game, but they also chose not to do full active time combat, which I can imagine probably saved them some development time as well. And they put a lot of content into those games. Uh, you mean you mean they made the smart choice to do turn based? They made the right choice. So we're gonna keep Is talking about you? trials, rentals, and demos. Uh, <laughs> and not. Yeah. Well, you know, I wish I had. I I wish I had had a demo or something for Shimagami Tensei Five. I yeah. I'm I'm upset about it. But, but yes, but that's I'm where also that's where also we were talking about you know you can you can rent games it that is a physical edition so you could uh, I don't know if there's any physical rental places around you these days um, and I've told you and I've said I don't the think they I don't think they exist Redbox doesn't have games anymore oh, does Redbox even exist anymore I, I remember yes. like a few years Redbox was like selling all their games because I remember seeing on like the deal subrats like oh you can get like all these games for cheap at Redbox because they were just having a fire sale on all their discs yeah. I, I guess because people would like steal them they would yep. they would peel, peel labels off the disc and like stick them in. They, 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 yep. they were a high value item so games people were incentiv- incentivized to steal them yeah video games are expensive so if you can take that disc and there's like no watching like Redbox is just losing money off that. Yeah. So that's the like cycling back. That's the thing. Like it's nice to try games, but people are also taking them because games are expensive. So I think it's important to let people be able to try to figure that out. I also say this about DLC, uh, and that's where like with fighting games, my big pet peeve is like especially when they do fighters as deal as DLC in fighting games. There's no way for you to tell if you like that character or not if you're going to play that character. So you you have to sink the money in. Even if you're going to fight against that character, the fact that you're not going to play it is going to feel like it's lost value to you. So 
it, it's one of those things where it's cool that they do like the free weekends and stuff. And some companies do that, some and some don't. Or actually, it was great, but it, obviously they were losing money on uh, Arxis for a couple of their games. Actually, did like, hey, if you you can uh, for the first two weeks, you can claim the character, and you'll do that. And I'm not sure what wh how that panned out. I assume it just meant they lost a lot of money. Is that pe they is that people would claim those characters and then they wouldn't purchase they'd stop purchasing other characters like why would i pay for characters so that's where i think um it gets tricky and i think that's why a lot of the companies also try not to do rentals and stuff and we've talked about this a little bit is like rentals doesn't really benefit the companies long term because they don't make any money off the rental they'll make money off the whatever number of copies that a rental store buys but that might be for like a popular game maybe like 10 copies and then that that those 10 copies get rented out you know so many times more than that and then but none of the company doesn't see any of that it's the same thing with used game sales the gamestop buys its huge allotment or any retail store buys its allotment of copies which is much higher than a rental store and then they uh charge the price for the game and or uh if the game gets returned then that copy and you can even trade in games from other stores. So, like, you can buy something from Walmart and take it to GameStop, etc. Or vice versa if Walmart had a, had a used game policy. I don't think they do used games uh, currently. And it, that's suddenly a copy that GameStop never had. And then that they can resell that disc without cutting in the company on any of that. We were talking about what's what's crazy is they could make money on rentals. Right. Like I, I can go to my Apple TV, rent a movie on iTunes, yes. watch it once, or I can buy it. It's not a it's not an either or proposition for right. digital movies. So why is it for digital games? I mean, you know, I can imagine a world where, you know, maybe they don't want to let me rent it for maybe I rent it for two hours for five dollars and 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 ten dollars and maybe they have a policy like gamefly has where if you actually like it you just pay amount to keep it so like yeah. they they could be making money from people who don't even like their game that eh, i don't know it's, We've seen, it's, it seems very short-sighted that they aren't willing to figure out some sort of scheme for that i agree and we've seen glimpses of it but it just never seems to take hold as a standard because then there are like the exclusive demos and betas you get for like being subscribed to PlayStation Plus or Xbox Live that happen on occasion. Those are pretty Nintendo cool. Switch Nintendo Switch Online occasionally has like a free weekend for a game yes. where you can basically play it as much as you want for that weekend. Yep, that's pretty cool. Uh so having those kind of things is great. And then uh so we've seen that, which is good. We also see Xbox Game Pass, uh PlayStation Now allowing you to be subscribed and you have access to a library of hundreds of games and you can play it as much as you want or as little as you want and you just try other games but you're paying that monthly fee to have access to that library so that's kind of the new fashion of of renting um other than and i think gamefly's model is still good and they just uh i mean they still run the same risk as like netflix did with its disc model where they're still using an honor system to send someone a copy of a game the only difference there being is that it's an account system so if someone has signed up with a legit credit card and whatnot and the game doesn't come back within a certain period of time or you stop if you stop your subscription but still have a game registered as out they can try and like charge you and stuff like that um i i've never done that because i actually like the service and keep using it over months so 
I'm not familiar with all that. And clearly Gamefly hasn't had enough um, problems to go out of business. They, they're still around. So there's, got, there's value in it. Now, the, the only thing I'd say is the weakness, and I don't know if they do this, is if Gamefly had a deal with the uh, publishers and developers or whatever their vendors are for those copies of games to get a kickback whenever those games go out, then it would be much more beneficial because then, oh, someone tried the... How many people tried our game? We got a little bit of money off of that. Did people how and then how many people converted? Like that's important. Whereas right now, the only thing, the only data that I'm aware of that I can give any of those companies is that I put a disc in my system and it registered that I put that disc in my system. I played it for however long and then it disappeared. And perfect example right here. I mentioned this one before. Was Celeste? I played through it on Game Pass because it was a shorter game. So I just played through it on Game Pass. Then I bought a Steam copy. But my Steam copy has no time played on it because the whole point was I played it one place, I beat it on the other. Yeah. Then, for another example similar to this, I played an indie survival horror game called Tormented Souls. I played it a bunch on my PlayStation 5, and then it started, and I realized, I like this game. I'm probably really close to the end. Um, I'm going to beat it. Oh, it's on Steam. So I'm just going to stop here, and I think, and I definitely put in like five hours. So I stopped, uh, returned it, went to Steam, and then replayed my five hours plus like another six hours, uh, whatever it was, to beat the game. And then I even put in my Steam library like, hey, this actually took me uh, more time because I rented on Gamefly and then bought it here. So I actually put that in my review to mention like, I this this game is, is short. It's survival, it's like Resident Evil style survival horror length short, but not um but actually it took me way more time to beat this because i was it was tricky with some of the puzzles and some of the combat encounters and stuff like that so the amount of time it can take and and all that um i'd really just like them to get more data and it's also where we have i almost want to just do an episode just talking about the whole concept of voting with your wallet because i think it's so messy and i think i've brought it up that's that's a good one i'll i'll be in on that one yeah because (laughs) voting with our wallets the way stuff goes now we don't it's very binary and just it's like, like it's like real voting your vote barely matters like there's no nuance to it or if other than when they add in more purchases so it's like okay we marketed this game what part of the marketing sometimes there's surveys and stuff and you can fill that in but it doesn't let you it's almost like you need that survey when you're buying it you know you need to be able it'd be great like oh you're buying this could you please fill out this user survey about why you're buying this what caused you to buy it cool and then go back for that. Now, Nintendo, I think, was doing like surveys with that for some of the games. I remember filling out a couple on Switch games. And I remember, and I think they stopped doing this, or they're just not sending them to me anymore, was like, uh, <laughs> I would always say, like, for some of the games, like, yo, you need to fix the frame rate. You need to fix the frame rate. Like, this is terrible. I will not play this game. You need to fix the frame rate. Especially with the uh, the surveys for the demos. Um, one of the games was Damon X Machina. I was really excited for that. That wasn't quite, that game didn't quite play the way I thought it would, but I ended up playing a bunch of of it with co-op on rental and then i waited for it to finally go on sale on steam um it went on sale on steam and then it went i i meant um they they put it on steam for you to buy and then it, they were charging you 60 dollars for that game. i'm like i'm not paying 60 dollars for that game and i waited and then finally it was at a reduced price and i was and it was like the only time it's ever been a reduced price since it came out so i bought it um, I actually bought it for me and for my cousin that I'd been playing with it because I'm like, here, you love this game too. We had a blast. I'm just 
this is as cheap as it's going to get. So there you go. I got two sales. Uh, I think my cousin actually bought it on Switch, and I only rented it because I was not confident that the Switch performance would be good, and I was right. So, um, yeah, that that's the thing. It it's the the paying the there's no way to also say like, hey, I I uh, think this game's pretty good, but there's some things I want you to do with this game that are good or better. Because once you pay the money, they don't have to care about what you do or don't like. Now, a lot of games are collecting like telemetry data to see how players are playing the game and then using that to figure out whether or not what keeps people engaged, what are people enjoying with. Uh, I think Tales of Arise definitely has that going on in it, and so I'm always curious. And definitely the Resident Evil games have that stuff. But this is where... And I really want to talk about Resident Evil uh, a bunch because this whatnot, but trying to stay on topic. Um, <laughs> I could talk about Resident Evil for probably like three episodes straight if I, if I really wanted to. And me and Paul already did record <laughs> a couple episodes like that. So, um, yeah, going on it. Uh, I think that's why tri I, I don't really feel bad about trials. I don't really... I, we need return policies. That's another thing. We d Part of the I, reason... I I think, well, I was going to mention return policies just because I think the problem of, of not knowing why someone didn't like a game could be easily solved with a return policy. Why did you return it? Poor performance. Bad online. Like, there's like five reasons they could put, and then yeah. they would know exactly what they did wrong, but they'd rather just stick their fingers in their ears and be willfully ignorant or just disingenuous about why their game is bad. Yeah, I also am afraid of like some feedback, and I'm not saying this is like a real bad thing. It's just one thing we have to worry about. Is also there's people who could buy it where it could be, oh, I don't like. I thought this was going to be an RTS, and it's not an RTS, and then they return it, and then what signal does that send? Because I mean, this industry has, uh, the the AAA industry has homogenized itself in terms of gameplay. Ubisoft's doing all the open world stuff. Tons of other companies do a bunch of huge open world games, and it's weird, like despite the incredible success that some of Nintendo's first-party games and Sony's first-party games, which are not open-world games, are doing, that we just don't see as many third-party games attempting it as much. Um, and, I mean, I hear it. I hear it with other... Uh, on podcasts where they, they, they nail, nail it on the head. The amount of money you can make from the other games, the service-type games or something like that, is too good to not try to do. Because if you land it, you make huge amount of bucks, and if you don't, and uh, and if you don't, then oh well, you try it with the next one. Because as soon as you you nail it, it's worth it. And the other part is those companies are all very short term, being like, I want all the money, I don't want just some of it. Which is where we see this like dearth of creativity in the AAA space, and the indies are making up, and why we still have this gap of quality, although indies are catching up thankfully because of the the tools and the resources and it becoming easier to make higher quality stuff on a lower budget is is the same thing like why we don't see um i'm gonna gush about guardians of the galaxy uh on the game of the year episode whether or not that's my game of the year right now i'm not spoiling i'm just saying i will be gushing about it uh is that was very much like an uncharted last of us like these linear action style games even ratchet and clank and i'm getting ready to play at some point Rift Apart and Ratchet 1, and I'm going to play them back-to-back -back on my PlayStation 5, is those types of games we just don't see as many anymore or as widespread in third parties. And I want to see, like you, like EA, I don't know what EA is doing, uh, other than, oh, EA did 
okay, EA let one through, which was the Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. And that game's really good. And uh, it needed some more polish to it, but otherwise it was really good. And actually, I would say Jedi Fallen Order is very much in the same vein as Guardians of the Galaxy. They're both extremely pleasant surprises that just end up being like, this is, yeah, you should make more of these. These are really good. And you should you should not be afraid or be so frugal about being like doing your big Battlefront multiplayer service game and your single-player action-focused game like your Jedi Fallen Order. Like, they can coexist. You can do both. And when they're good and people can, t- can trust that they're going to be good, you sell more copies. Like, games sell. Like, Horizon Zero Dawn... Is a, although that's an open world, so that's actually kind of a bad example. Um, but, and especially it's like they have all these developers and they know what they've done. They know what they're good at. Yet Square Enix, what did they put? Crystal Dynamics on um, Avengers, right? That was the developer that did Avengers. And it's yeah, like, that was a mismatch. You know, they, they'd rather just put all, all their resources on these uh, possible live service hits. Yeah, and it's... And- I think Avengers has a good model. It's just the problem is they didn't get enough time to make that game. Um, it, was a, it was a team that wasn't familiar with how to make that, and I think what they did, the core of that game is fun in concept, and then they just didn't get enough time to polish it up and make it, make it as good as it needed to be. And that's, that's very sad. I think it's great that they've added as much as they have. I like adding all the characters for free is great, and also the story campaign stuff is great. But they just don't have the the money and stuff they need for all those assets. And I don't know when they're gonna stop that one because I feel there's gonna have to be a hard cutoff. I feel like that game's gonna be gonna sunset. They're gonna hit a story chapter and be like, okay, we're kind of like the way Destiny One to Destiny Two had to be, where they're just like, we can't, we're we're hitting limits on engine. We're gonna have to just kind of do a hard reboot here and make a sequel on a new and it and do a sequel type thing. So um, where where did we get to complaining about like triple A's and games as a service from from demos and rentals? I I've, these are I the reasons why these are okay. the reasons why we have to tr- why it's why it's a good idea to be able to try stuff and why companies are fighting against themselves in the pursuit of too many of all the money instead of less mo- instead of just settling for less money because they could be making more money if they partnered with these com- or uh well play like we said games game pass and playstation now are the subscription services if gamefly actually had deals to send some money back to those copies also the voting with your wallet so that's where we were it's okay. a hodgepodge yeah, yeah. of concepts I, yeah I, I went we went way down this path and i got lost <laughs> so yeah we, we were talking a little bit about this just before we started recording so i'll bring it up here to keep get us back on track in the heyday of Xbox 360, Xbox Live, they pretty much like promised just about every game on Xbox 360 and Xbox Live would get a demo, and it did, and just about everyone did. I think it, it was it was a it was more not having a demo was more an exception to the rule, and it was great. I don't know exactly what happened there, other than they probably just said like people are either a maybe not enough people are playing demos, or b they were seeing less sales from games with like bad demos which happens and that's the thing is it can be tricky to make a demo and for it to be good some games don't demo well and that's a problem and some games they just don't demo the game well even though there is a portion of that you could demo properly so that's another thing and it's i'm not saying it's easy that part i wasn't i wasn't trying to say was easy but i think in general 
it, it has led that we see, and we're seeing more of a resurgence now, but they figured out a way to monetize it. So actually I wanted to kind of shift from that because there's the subscription service, which makes a lot of sense. And then they sign the deals. Those companies get a certain amount of money, whatever that deal is based on letting our game be on the service. Apple Arcade does the same thing. Uh, how, do you know? Yeah, I, I actually tried a bunch of games in it when I had Apple Arcade earlier this year. Some of them I liked, some of them I finished, some of them I didn't. Isn't Apple Arcade games though? What's the deal? What's the? Do you know what the deal is that Apple makes with the studios? Um, well, no. I mean, I don't know if anyone knows exactly what deal they make with studios, but some of them stay exclusive. Some of them. But I don't think Apple Arcade games ever leave the service. At least I don't think any have. I think all the ones I've added since the beginning are still there. So I don't. I think they they specifically try to curate games for their service. But it's not like they're paying for a limited time contract like Game Pass does with their third parties. And they do. I um. So I don't know. Maybe they do bankroll all these games themselves. They do deals and they pay for them to be made or. Because some some of them are original games, and some of them and and that are only available on Apple Arcade, at least until they maybe make it to Switch or PC. Um, but some of them are just like premium version of a of a game that normally is free to play, where they kind of take out all the grind and and make it a little more pleasant because you're paying for it. What I was trying to figure out, um, and I'm trying to Google on my phone right now, but I don't have enough. Uh, the company was like, how is app? What is Apple doing for its profit share for in games? And I thought I remember it was. I couldn't remember if it's about the number of times played or the amount of time played. Because that's another issue there too. Is that some games are, especially indie, are shorter games that aren't meant to be played for very long, and you're you get the full experience, maybe a couple hours, if that. And that's it. Or it's like a really small experience, like, you know, like a Tetris style thing. Like it's a multi-session game where you just keep going back and replaying it, and replaying it. And you may play it a ton, you may not play it a ton or something like that. So do you think they're performance-based pay models or is just a I don't I don't know. I don't know. We'd if, have to look it up. I'd, we don't know. I, yeah, I, don't. I don't I don't I don't think we can know. I don't know if those contracts are gonna be public or those terms. But Some of that information. Maybe, maybe out someone there. will talk about or, it. Yeah. Or rough stuff. Yeah, we'd have to Google around yeah. to it. Because like I think because people were talking about it, like the difference between Apple Arcade's deals uh with, with the developers and publishers and the way Game Pass was doing it and whose is better or what makes more sense because these models can lead to that. And I was listening to a podcast recently where they were talking about how this is le this might be leading uh, the subscription models might be leading to a teaching consumers to not buy games which i think isn't a good idea but then again as we've also brought up previously we don't really get to own our games anymore even when you buy a disc you're just buying a disc with a license code on it and yes it has data on it but it's it's be it's less about the terms of service is less about that you are buying a product that you own and more like, hey, we're kind of giving you the privilege. You paid $60 for the privilege to play with this data as long as we determine that that's okay. So that, that's the, the issue there. So I, I guess... Well, doesn't, doesn't Microsoft say that Game Pass subscribers spend more on games? They buy games as they're leaving the service. They buy DLC for the games on the service. Like, I, I, it doesn't seem like it's, an, it's a, you know, subscriptions and actually purchasing games are mutually exclusive. Um, I actually haven't seen any articles like that. that I, that's what that's what I recall them saying is, you know, and 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 um, 
like uh you know a lot of people who bought forza horizon or got forza horizon 5 are buying the dlc for that or the fact that they give you a discount a higher discount on the game as it is leaving the service so if you're still playing it you want to buy it or if you want to keep playing it after it leaves the service so i think i think people who subscribe to game pass do still end up spending money on games I'm not saying they don't. I just don't know what the exact numbers are. And, yeah. I, and I would love that to be the positive correlation so they could take it away. And the only thing I could think of, or I shouldn't say that. Uh, let me rephrase. What I could think of as a reason why, even though it's profitable and it leads to higher attach rates or more people getting that stuff, is because, or it becomes a problem, is that, once again, it's the, the wanting all the money issue. Is that these companies go, well, yeah, sure, okay, they're buying DLC, they're buying the game uh, at a discounted price, but they could be paying full price and buying our DLC. And we could not be giving Microsoft that much of a cut or whatever. So we could be making more money if we didn't do it by partnering with them instead of making some money. And it's like, that's what it feels like. That's what it seems yeah. is it seems I don't like, know. It's it's a new model. We don't really is. know like I I I I was gonna mention it, but again, now's as good as time as any, is that uh there were rumors that Sony was going to revamp their their service offerings. And um Yeah. Finally. I, yeah, I I think yeah, well I don't basically it was there were gonna be three tiers. They were getting their well this isn't finalized. This isn't like for sure. No, yeah, but this, this was is just what, like a this leak. This is what I think that what Bloomberg was reporting. Yeah, Bloomberg's it, insider but, leak reporting. Yeah, but we all remember Bloomberg's report on the Switch Pro. They they got most of it except for the fact that it wasn't a pro. Um, <laughs> but I uh, yeah, it was three tiers. The getting rid of the PS Now brand branding with PS Plus being the base tier. Um, and in higher tiers, they were going to offer like extended demos as a possible option. They might offer back catalog stuff like with PS Now, maybe older games from PS One, Two, and Three, and PSP. So um, it sounded like it includes a lot of the things that are, or or it could potentially be kind of a combination of services, kind of somewhat of a Game Pass. But I doubt they're going to do day one first party exclusives yeah. and somewhat of a Nintendo switch online kind of leaning into their legacy catalog. So, um, I, you know, you know, me, I've kind of come around on subscriptions in terms of what they offer being, a you know, a decent value. Although I, I haven't played my Xbox much lately. So, you know, I got game right, pass right. still, but you know, I, I can see where depending on what they offer, but but it's not just going to be about catalog. It's it sounds like it's it's kind of about like features too, because you know getting an extended demo is kind of like a feature. That's not you know that's not just the game you're getting access to. If that if that can be a general feature for most games as part of a subscription, I think that's a lot, uh, you know, a big source of value. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's 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 a good idea to just make it more easier for people to play games and more affordable to try them or, or play them in some regard and meet the consumers at all their different levels of disposable income. Uh, that's I've heard I've been seeing arguments before about um, this. Now some some of it's been phrased as race to the bottom, especially in the mobile side with all the free play games and the way that's gone. 
Um, but also there's been some philosophical debate about like letting people be able to access art regardless what their how much money they have because it's it's almost becomes a, a thing where we're trying to democratize art and that's fine I think that's good but it's the idea of also well what do you do to how do you pay for it because people still need to make a living um, which I one my my goal in, in thinking is just about where's that compromise and that's why I talk about if only these companies would actually compromise and be like okay you can have a business model off this and we can still get a kickback in some way because it benefits both of us because ultimately then we've got more people investing into our business little bits more money we like that's the microtransaction that's what it should be um so Ed, yeah I wanted to ask you like with uh you you've more recently come across game pass so like have you played anything on game pass that has made you decide you want to purchase it or do you feel like with game pass you're going to kind of commit to hey as long as it's there i'm just going to play it and beat it if i can have you gotten that far yet i i played um i played and finished psychonauts 2 and i didn't really feel a need to purchase that because that's never going to leave game pass so mm -hmm. and i so and i guess like so in a way you're paying I, for I it by just staying subscribed to game pass that's kind of how i figure and um that is a first I, th I think that i think that's how microsoft kind of use it anyway they're using a lot of their game pass subscriptions to fund their first party offerings yeah. um i tried a couple indie uh, i tried dodgeball academia i think that's mm -hmm. a indie game i didn't really like it that much so mm -hmm. i didn't i think i played like an hour or so yeah um there's a few games that came that I, I want to try. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. I, I think we, you mentioned uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon. I definitely want to play that. I think the fact that it is now turn-based is kind of up my alley, and I've heard good things about it. And I also want to try Scarlet Nexus. I think that came last month or maybe two months ago. So mm -hmm. I'll probably try to give those a shot before they um, leave the service. But Yeah. Now, I'm pretty much all about like trying a game like, or if a game seems interesting, I want to try it in some regard um, at some point. And the games I already know, I'm pretty confident that I'm going to like, I'll, I'll buy. But where is your head at when it comes to determining? Because you already said like there's a lot of games you like that you just would never do trials on or don't look up too much information on. But can you can you articulate for us what um, if it's like, what's the decision making between like, you know what, I think I should try this game versus, no, I'm just, I'm just going to buy it. Where, where's your head at? Where, how do you make that decision? Well, I mean, now I guess, like, if it has a demo or if it's on Game Pass, I'll try that. So if it's, like, available for me in a way that I already have to to demo it, I'll I'll check that out. Um, but, I mean, if it does... I, I, see, I, I like the idea of Gamefly, but I don't think I would use it on, like, a month-to-month -month basis to really get a lot of games to try. Because a lot of times I'm preoccupied with playing the games that I, you know, am currently interested in. So, you know, I, 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 I wish I wish that Redbox or some sort of like, you know, a la carte rental option was there because I don't really want to pay. What is it like 16 bucks a month now for game or not for, uh, you know, I already have the game pass. I, I, I don't really uh, 17, want I believe, to, for one yeah, month now yeah, for yeah, one game at a time. Month. yeah i don't i don't want to double that for the occasional rental but um you know i don't know i i i i do try a game when i can but 
it's not always available as a demo or on Game Pass. So I guess if I had those options, I'll give it a shot. Otherwise, I'm just kind of making an educated guess. Um, and I, I will say, like, the list of games that I have tried and and not ended up finishing is not that long. So I'm usually pretty good at at judging whether or not I'm going to enjoy a game. Um, so... I, I can't say that it's been too bad. Hmm. So yeah, do, but do you feel like uh, so then? Do you feel like you're gonna change your habits at all, or do you think like you're gonna try try to do more trials of games as as you find new ones that you're excited about, or do you think you're gonna stick with your 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 current mindset, or are you going the other way? I guess it depends on I don't know what's what options there are like. I'm, I, if if Sony actually comes out with a service that has extended demos and it's pretty wide, you know, it's across a wide portion of their catalog. If not, then then yeah, I might. I think I could switch to. I just I well, I don't know. It depends. I I guess I don't know. I, I I there's not even that many games I can think about coming out next year that I'm like, eh, I want to try. So it's kind of a problem I don't have right now. Um. This and this year had a lot of games coming out in series that I was already a fan of. Like, I, I think I mentioned all the all the games that I had bought that you know I didn't really do a demo on because I knew I was going to play them anyway. So mo most of the new games I've played this year, other than Shin Megami Tensei Five, have been kind of a known quantity to me. So I haven't really had the dilemma of like, am I really going to like this? But I think Shin Megami Tensei Five is one where I probably should have because I hadn't played one before. So, um, yeah, I don't know. You know, you, you convinced me to get Game Pass. I may, maybe I'll break down and get Gamefly too, at least for maybe I'll try it for a few months to see. Yeah, it's certainly useful because there's certain because Game Pass is only for Xbox and PC. Yeah, whereas Gamefly would let you try PS Five games, try. Switch games, also Xbox. Xbox. Because yeah. you actually have like all three platforms currently. Mm -hmm. So that would cover that ability and would feed into, um, or not feed into, but it would cater to your ability to figure out whether or not you like games or which platform to get it on. Although with Game Pass, yeah, like it's, it's, I don't know, based on what your interests are, there will be games you may or may not be able to get because it has to be a physical edition, which is, Slightly more rare now than, than digital because every game comes out digitally now. There's no games that come out exclusive only. Uh, uh, physical only, excuse me. Yeah. A lot of indie... Not every indie game gets a digital re or physical release. Yeah. It'd be nice... Like, we were talking about renting. Like, Apple, Apple offers, like, for movies and stuff. You can rent and pay a little price for a rental period. Uh, PlayStation Now does offer with streaming a rental price. I think they're still doing that. They may have taken that down, but I remember they were trying to I don't think it out. I don't think they do anymore. I think it's just a subscription. Yeah. But I could be wrong. Um that's where like streaming I think makes a lot of sense is like solving an issue of like how do you let people if you're worried about people pirating a game and not wanting to be able to download the full thing, but at least want to be able to sample a game in some way. I think streaming does make sense for that. Although this the problem is streaming's technical issues still don't reflect poor uh, reflect poorly on whether or not the game actually plays well and has real performance issues or not. Um, it'd be nice if, like... I mean, Microsoft has foot the bill for a bunch of development when it comes to, like, the Xbox backwards compatibility. 
So it'd be nice if they also, like them and Sony, but Microsoft does have more money than, than Sony does. So it'd be great. And they're, to... and they're like more of a tech company too. I think they probably have like the technical chops to do all that, you know, real hard engineering stuff more than Sony does. Yeah, I meant just more like footing the bill for like developing like, hey, please make a demo for our for our platform or make Oh, demo. I thought you were talking about backwards compatibility. No, no, yeah, separate, separate thing. I was talking about like being able to to make a demo or a trial. So you know what? I, I had some like weird ideas because I've tossed it around in my head because the free to play model is clearly like exists and it's a it's a method. Um, we've talked about how it's great with the trials where hey, you can try the game the first couple hours of the game and then your progress carries over to the main game. What if there's like a kind of like I think back to the old arcade style and I wonder if there's any sort of future for that model of like kind of a pay as you go. Now, some games have tried to experiment with episodic models, such as, like, the Telltale games, but that was a bit different. They're like, hey, we're promising, like, a complete experience, but we're going to release it in chunks. Uh, whereas I'm thinking more of, like, the game is out, and then what if we let you download just a little bit? They'd still have to design the game in chunks, and not tons of games are designed. That's the other thing. It's kind of antithetical to, like, the open world design, because open world is meant to be, like, one giant stage, and then you just play through things um but there's still like progression blockers it's not completely available uh, open worlds aren't completely like at your disposal so what what do you think about that ed what's your gut reaction if i said hey this game's coming out i'm trying to think what uh what could i use as an example let's say next ratchet and clank it was like hey two bucks to play the first two stages of the game and then if you like it the next stage, like, oh, the next stage is only like 99 cents or something like that. Or the next stage, and each stage is like 99 cents after. Now, that doesn't add up to the like the $60 price point in general. But, like, I, I, what's I'd your gut reaction? Buy, I'd probably just buy the whole thing because I know I like Ratchet and Clank. Mm, okay, okay. <laughs> but, okay. but uh, you know, I say that now, and then there's probably going to be some day where I feel completely burned. But, I, but I've but i played some bad Ratchet and Clank games and still enjoyed them. Like, right, I, played, right. I played All for One on the PS3, and I still had fun with that. It wasn't great. And I played, I think, you know, there was there were these short ones in between a few of the games. It was Quest for Booty and Into the Nexus. I played both those, and mm -hmm. those ones, I had fun. So I, I don't know. I can't imagine a ratchet. I think the only one I didn't play, there was one called Full Frontal Assault that had, like, tower defense elements to it, and mm -hmm. I didn't buy that. So, But if it's just attrition, well, yeah. maybe. I mean, maybe maybe if that's an option, even if it's a game I like, it would make more sense to take that opportunity to try it. Yeah. What if um, let's let's see, because you're you're looking forward to Triangle Strategy on Switch, so let's yeah. and that one is probably going to have like stages and battles, etc. Mm -hmm. Acts, whatever, full for the game. So let's say like same proposition. Maybe it was five bucks. Let's let's be a little more, um, realistic. So let's say it's five bucks. You get the 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 prologue or the opening chapter and then the second chapter. That's what five bucks gets you. And then let's say it has you know like twelve chapters. So it'd be up to so then each chapter after the first two, five bucks for um, each additional chapter. Two. Do you think right. you would do that model or like, would you try that? Would you go like, you know what? Yeah, I'll just pay the five bucks, do the two chapters, and then see where it goes. Or would you just go for um, the full purchase? Or would you, it, given there's no return policy, or uh, would you go for a rental at this point with like, your current experiences with Switch games? I think I'd rather do a rental or a demo if that were an option because 
the thing with buying it in chunks is say say you bought like depending on the pace at which you play the game you might be able to get the game cheaper just like doing the demo and like it could go on sale and by the time you've bought it in these five dollar chunks you spent more in the game than you would have had you done a demo and then played it later so like like it's it's i i don't know if the financials always make sense well but that's the risk you, you run because also just like yeah. to your point the, but the thing is it it's still i guess if you if you don't like it you've wasted 40 or 60 or more dollars right, yeah right so. or or just like you're like we were talking about before with like schedules and time to play or, or also waiting to purchase as we were kind of talking with shim about uh smt5 is like if you bought if you pay for 60 dollars up front like why why ever buy a game at launch because if you just wait it's always going to be cheaper yeah. Like other than Nintendo games, which even still they went on sale on Black Friday, like even in the eShop too, is like if you wait, physical games definitely go on sale and digital games typically go on sale. So there's no reason to buy at launch because you'll oh, unless you are comfortable paying full price and don't care. Or there's like an exclusive bonus, which is very rarely that you can't like get the exclusive bonus and then buy it later or something like that. Um except for the pre-orders. Uh so that kind of stuff so yeah it works out either way so i wouldn't be i think that's actually not something to be worried about is like oh it could end up costing you you could have saved yourself money later like that's always the case that's always the case i i don't think i want to buy a game piecemeal but i think the option i would most prefer is to be able to pay a partial uh, you know pay if they're not going to give me a demo at least me like let me pay to rent it for like i don't know a couple hours like mm-hmm. but you know, get it, it. Maybe, maybe you don't want to do it for free. Like I get it. It costs money to make a demo. It, 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 it. It's an extra cost, which I argue they should be willing to to foot. But um, I, it would. I don't. I wouldn't. I think if I if I played the first two hours or two levels or whatever, and I was sold on it, I would just buy the rest of the game. I don't think I would keep buying levels. You know, until I finish the game, I think I'd be like, "All right, I'm into it. I'll buy the rest of the game." And I wanted to ask this question. I'll just put it out to the room. I'll share my thoughts first because I don't. I don't think there's a real good answer. I don't think there's like an answer for this. It's just a, a scenario that has to be considered. Is like in what increments could you distribute the game or piecemeal it? Because not all games are created with a similar progression. So it's like some games can. That's why I was trying to use the Ratchet and Clank example because it breaks up cleanly into stages. Or it can be broken up cleanly into stages. In a like, way, and the latest one, you actually revisit stages and different stuff happens. So right, but like, there's yeah, but there's clear breaks with like cutscenes. Yeah, and stuff. it's you a know. linear. It's a linear game. Right, yeah. right. But then like open world games, it's not the same. And it's like okay, what what works better is like you get like a chunk of the game, and then you get to play that chunk as much as you want. Or it's like a time limit, kind of like what we were talking about with, but that specifically for renting rather than for a game that like. You you can play as much as you want. So if you speed run, you might be able to get through like half the game in that in that a lot of time. Like for an example, a wild example. So I don't think there's a, a clean answer to that. But like Ed, do you got like a gut feeling on like which you prefer? Do you, do, you, do you like just having kind of like a time limit with as much of the game as you can play in that, or do you think like a specific chunk makes more sense than uh, like they should really try to like you know just a block of content. I don't know. I don't know if you have a thought or feeling. About I think that. for a linear game, a specific chunk makes more sense. Um, but I guess for like an open world or 
or some game like a fighting game or something that that really yeah. is comes down to the systems and isn't isn't necessarily about you know the content in the same way that a yeah. linear story based game is um yeah I, I i don't want to feel like i have to be rushed to like yeah i want to be able to at least make an informed decision i want to i don't want to have to rush well, well we knew we do know the way not to do it and that's the way sony ch- did with a few games this this year where they gave you a time limited demo but they included the download time in that time oh, that you yeah. were allowed to play oh that was <laughs> such a huge mess up that was so yeah. not nice so it's like if your internet's slow Oh, but my game finished downloading, but I'm past the demo time, so I can't play it at all. Yeah, that that seems like both a, like a bug, sort of, um, like the counter didn't click on at the right time. So hopefully, they, I don't I think they. Fixed I don't. Th- it. I don't. Th- I don't think it was a bug. I think it was just a dumb decision. Probably that too. Um, oh, but uh, yeah, because we're nearing the end of the episode, so I was just um, shoot, I had one more. I was gonna ask a question in relation to. Oh yeah, okay. So we've been talking about like trying games before you buy was basically like the point of this and then there's like trials there's demos there's rentals um but there uh, we can kind of break these down into two categories because demos typically come out before the game and they're they're a separate chunk of the game if they're done i i would say more correctly whereas then there's like trials which is like a part of the full game or like renting which is you you get to play the full game for a certain amount of time or to some restriction you don't fully own it, like a Gamefly type thing or, or whatnot. So um, if you had to, like, what's your gut feeling about what you prefer? Do you prefer, or do you prefer, like, trying a demo, like, pre-release and just seeing that as, like, a sample? Or are you more in the camp of, like, you know what, you'd rather wait for, like, a full, for the full release and then be able to sample from that instead? Do you have a gut check on that? It seems pretty clear to me when I say I think it out I'd, loud. I'd, I think I'd be more comfortable actually getting the the full game because at this point I don't trust the developers to like not try to fake you into liking it. Yeah, or you know, stuff they gets might fixed or changed. Yeah, they they fix out, it yeah. or or maybe you know or maybe the the demo for some reason runs way better than the like. Man, I'm really feeling the sting. Shimakami TSA five. Yeah. So I'm like, come on, man. I just I I now like I I'm I'm starting to really distrust the publishers and developers in terms of like I'm telling you man yeah and here's the thing so like part of the reason that I'm so big on trials at this point um is because of my experience with Destiny One and I I've definitely mentioned this on the podcast before but I'll reiterate one one of those time for new listeners is I was totally buying into the hype for Destiny One. I was looking at the media. I was watching the gameplay. I was a huge fan of Borderlands, so I thought this was just a more serious take on Borderlands. It wasn't. Uh, and I was expecting, oh, they're just hiding the story because it's going to be a huge deal. Like This is an RPG with tons of main stories, yada, yada, yada. And that's, that's not what happened. It turns out they were trying to make this games of service, semi-MMO game. Then like, the narrative was like secondary to everything else. and it was. I, I, I was like... Gameplay solid, but there's like I have no motivation to play through this game, and it's so little content for what it was. And sure, it was like maybe 15, 20 hours, which would have been great if the campaign portion of it would have been actually fun, but it wasn't. And then it just became a pure loot grind. And I'm not actually into the loot grind. The loot grind just happens to be a um, 
it, it just accompanies it. And like for Borderlands, it's it's kind of neat because the guns are can be so wacky. But it's uh to some extension to some extent it's the progression is also but and yeah, yeah. I I prefer more I I'm more in it because of the the colorful characters the the inter interesting unique world and being able to play with my friends in co-op which unfortunately Destiny just didn't have enough to be like well why is this fun to play when I could just go back and play Borderlands like it doesn't have enough flavor to it I'm like what's the mystery of this world and I'm like by the end of that and I realize oh we're gonna keep putting like I'm like no you charge me sixty dollars and I hate what I'm or I I really am disappointed and let down by what's what's here this world is not fleshed out it is not intriguing and i'm not going to pay you extra money you, you totally like baited me into this so that's where i'm like you know what from now on i'm just going to be really skeptical and i'm going to be more into trying games before i buy them if i have any hint of doubt because that's and then i fully commit and, and this is a personal thing i fully commit to try it and i really do like it then i'm going to buy it there's a couple of like Japanese games I've played through like Gamefly that I was like actually really surprised I I was enjoying more than I I than I, I thought I would. Uh, like I tried the newer Soccer Wars game and I was actually kind of really enjoying that, but I was playing that a certain way too because it has a dating sim aspect which I was like I didn't really care about, and I decided to just play where I'm always going to pick this one choice as like the this is my canonical character. Like they always pick this no matter what, so it wasn't me making the choice really. Of like, oh, what's the best thing? Because I was like, I'm not trying to pick a girl. So what just happens if this character just always makes these decisions, whether I like it or not? And some, and it led to really comical results where the character could put its foot in its mouth, and I'm like, oh, it's a character that I'm experiencing. Um, and then there was one other like JRPG that I was having a, a ton of time and it, a ton of fun with, and it was actually, <laughs> it was actually a turn-based game, and it had some like reaction elements to it, which is really nice. And uh, just the way the protagonist like talked with the girls or about the girls and some of them and the, the character um the characters of the girls because it was some like idol related uh and i forget the exact name but it was like an what if these idols were also like power rangers or something style thing and i was like this is really funny and really stupid or it's really funny because it's really stupid and the protagonist and i were kind of in sync on like reacting to the characters in specific ways and i was laughing and it ultimately i was like you know what the story seems meh, and it's going to probably be super fan servicey and cringy, so I'm going to just let it slide. But I don't know. Like, I'm also happy I tried those, because those were games that I would have totally never experienced and never even had the positive memories of going back to, um, and possibly be like, you know what, maybe at some point I will try it again, and then coming back. And, I, and, and that's also good. And there's also other games where I'm like, I'm not sure if there's enough here for me, and then being able to go, oh, oh, there is. Like the Tormented Souls, I'm like, mm, is this is this great? And it was, and I was like, I literally played through it again. I was like, yep, even with all the jank, even with all the stuff, and I needed a guide to finish it and whatnot. Um, I was still glad I played it. I'm like, this is really good. I really hope this team learns from their mistakes and goes on and makes a new game. And I'm now I'm like interested. And granted, it's in a genre I like already, and there are other genres and things. But I'm experimenting with with other types of games that I might have never given a chance. If I didn't have this way, these methods of trying it and being able to understand what, whether or not I'm invested. So I definitely think they still need to be there. There's other ways that the industry could embrace this, make it work. Um, and I want them to get away from the disgusting habits of all the money. Like it, once again, it comes down to like, if they would just settle for less money and they're already making enough, we know they are, is 
then we could have some more good consumer friendly stuff and the and the gaming space would continue to grow it's still continuing to grow but it's growing in ways that make things that's polluting that's polluting it um you know i i don't want to put all of the responsibility at consumers feet i definitely don't but i do think it needs to split like the industry is in charge because they make what's available and people can only but, but people can only buy what's available but people are also not like recognizing when stuff's bad not putting enough like well this actually means that this is terrible and let's not do it and i get it life life is hard enough as it is outside of video games that you just want an escape you just need to blow a few minutes and just unwind and not think about it so like none of that is lost in me it's just uh it's just a shame that like we could have more nice things if everyone kind of like wasn't as terrible <laughs> i guess i guess it's the story of life right yeah, what you were saying about Borderlands, I think, like, there was so much hype leading up to SMT5. They were having all these, like, demon videos every day, a new demon and new trailers and, you know, ever it, it, man, they got to me. I, I, I think I, I got to, I guess I have to learn my lesson from that. That, that. I think I might take away the same lesson that you did with Destiny getting caught up in the hype, but I guess for a different reason, because it, it is a good game, but yeah. Um, I, and that's I I, mm-hmm. I do want to say one one last thing. I know right. we're coming to a close, and that is like, if you know, for our listeners, if you're lucky enough, and you should try to find out, if you're lucky enough that your local public library has games to borrow, definitely check that out. Um, I my my local branch doesn't, but there are ones in in my state that do, and I, I think my hometown does too. So my sister does. She lives in Pittsburgh. The Carnegie Library system has has video games to borrow and that is like check that out wait times are always long you're probably not gonna like get through a big long game in the short term they let you borrow it but that's kind of not the point you know the point is that's another way that if you have it i think that's a good way to uh try out games um i wish i had that option yeah and i recommend people try before you buy it doesn't hurt um don't buy into the fomo Make lists on your phone like I do and just be like, oh, I like this. I'm going to put it on my list. I'm going to keep it there. I'll, I'll come back to it or I'll I'll keep an eye on it for when it's on sale and get it on a deal or something like that. Um, and don't be afraid if you don't want to finish a game or you end up not like liking it. But do, you know, try games, but do also buy games. Don't just leave it at that. Um, like I've got my standing subscriptions for Game Pass and Gamefly and I'll probably never get rid of them. Um, I'm thinking, I've been meaning to do PlayStation Now but at the same time, I think um, that, and it's different libraries too. You might, some people might think, oh, you're, you're double dipping or you're like, isn't that redundant? And it's like, no, because they're different libraries of games. Like there's digital games that will never have physical releases and I'll never be able to sample those without that. And maybe some of them are cheap enough that I'll just buy that and that's fine. And I, and I get that everyone's at different income levels. So I'm not telling you to like spend money haphazardly and not pay your bills. I'm saying that to some extent, uh, vote with your wallet is true, but in other ways, it's not as good as it, it's not the best way. It's not always the greatest thing, but you still should be buying games when you can. Try it, figure out if you like it, or if you're really into it, take as much time as you need. And if you actually play through and beat a game in your rental period, like buy the full game or promise that you'll buy a full game. You know, still support the art. There's still, we still need to be sending money, especially if it's an indie game. And maybe set a rule if it's something, if a game's like under 10 bucks or something. Um, you know, as long as your financial situation allows it, you know, just, just invest, you know, 
give those people the, the, the dollars they deserve, find some way to contribute to those artists that are the developers of the game. Because work goes into this. There are people behind the scenes doing their best to create something that hopefully people will enjoy. So uh, uh, <laughs> shop smartly, um, but yeah, still don't just settle. Um, don't, don't give in to the, the corporate interest of never you know, buying games or whatnot, even though it seems really good. Like Try to invest a little bit more into the art so we keep getting good stuff. So, the, so good stuff keeps shining through and beats out all the dumb... Um, regurgitated messes of like Ubisoft open world games. Hey, maybe that is your jam, and I'm not dissing you for for that. But I'll, try new things too. There are so many genres of games, and you never know what's going to be special or memorable and whatnot. And take that to to broaden your interest and try to figure things out. And I'm not always the best personally when it comes to that as well. But I'm trying to do a bit better, and I'm always trying to just do even offshoots of the things I like that are a little bit different to find that and to understand you know what I do and don't like. And whatnot. So, yeah, that's the message I want to leave with with people today. Is uh, you know, renting's good, trials are good, demos are good. They're not always done the best way, but we, we need to keep those, and hopefully they'll stay around. So, uh, Ed, do you have any other final words? No, but I will say I feel better venting about SMT five. That is like <laughs> the thing. <laughs> I, yeah. I I got that off my chest. Hmm. Uh, hope, hopefully, people will learn from my mistake. Yeah. And you're uh you're you're playing Final Fantasy VII remake, so I can't wait till you actually finish that, and then I can vent to you, because uh, I've been going over my thoughts in my head a bunch, and it's a it's a complicated roller coaster ride, uh, but yeah. So thank you again, everyone who was listening to us today, and all our our fu- past and future listeners. Um, like we said, the next episode will definitely be the game of the year uh episode, and we will then be taking a break, so it, we we will miss an episode, and then come back with a brand new episode in 2022 um and we haven't decided on exactly what topic we, we've got some ideas uh and we're kind of gonna yeah take that time to do that so uh appreciate everyone so far hope you're having a great holidays and uh yeah thanks again and, and uh talk to you later bye